Welcome to the other party, got that vibe Well, you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got that light so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to the after party. I know I missed last week, but I promise it was for a good reason. I was trying to revive the video version of the podcast, and things just went wonky. So, um, I recorded the whole thing. It just ended up not getting released because, you know, sometimes things just happen. But this week is different. Uh, I'm trying again. And so this week, you can go, and I'm going to link this up in the description, and actually find the after party content in visual form all on its own channel on YouTube. So that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a new place for you guys to explore. Uh, I've heard a couple of people saying, hey Chris, stop spamming please, uh, when it comes to promoting the Clips channel. Um, and so I'm listening to you guys. You know, um, we're trying to just launch a few different uh, ventures and, and cross promote things. And um, there's sort of that intro period where you're letting people know. But yeah, uh, you know, we're gonna chill out a little bit on that promotion. Um, but I just wanna let you guys know, if you want the visual version of this podcast, if you're like, what does it look like when he's recording? Now you can actually go and watch uh, some of the clips. Now, I'm not gonna have the entire thing up there. I decided not to do that to keep the experience uh, on the audio version just unique, all its own thing. What you can see are the, the clips, the segments, but there's gonna be some unique stuff here on the audio only version that you're only gonna catch if you tune in while you're in your car, you're doing errands at home or whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts. So I think that's cool. I think it's gonna be a good balance. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the week in daily tech and behind the scenes. That's something you're only gonna get here in the audio version. And what a week it's been. Um, I have all kinds of Apple devices being delivered. Of course, there was an Apple event and I chose not to directly cover that event, you know, like immediately, right away. A lot of people, when they're in my position, they're a tech YouTuber, and especially connected to Apple, they're waiting, they're watching that event, and you know they're trying to like record while they're doing it now even, and get out as many videos as possible right away, and I just felt like I was gonna step back and do something a little different, think it over, and put out some content that I felt was uh, as useful as possible, and not just rushed, and not just rehashing the news, because how many different ways do you need a channel or somebody telling you, here's what Apple said, you know? I think a lot of you probably tune into those events yourself, and Apple's gotten really great at doing their own recaps on their own YouTube channel. So I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Instead, um, I'm gonna actually end up covering it here on the podcast. And instead of just covering the news like everyone else, I wanna make sure that uh, I'm, I'm hitting it from a few different angles. So for instance, today I'm gonna be talking about um, what that M1 chip in the new Macs actually means, like for dummies in plain English, what is the M1 chip? We're gonna go through that. We're also gonna talk about why the M1 chip is actually a big deal today. Not like, oh, what are the pros and the cons and not get into the drama. You know, there was a lot of drama going on between uh, Jonathan Morrison and Linus Tech Tips talking about, well, Apple didn't have any numbers on their charts during the event, so how can they claim this or that? And so we're not gonna get into the, the fanboy side of things. We're not gonna get into the just suck the fun out of the room side of things. Um, we're just going to talk about practically why the M1 chip is gonna be awesome. And along the way today, I think the podcast is gonna start to grow up. I'm gonna have some recurring segments. We're gonna start things off with a new segment called Ouch, My Wallet, where I'm gonna let you guys know some different things that I've been buying or considering buying. That's gonna be fun. Uh, and then I wanna go into my process for something in the Apple ecosystem. Kind of try that segment out, see what you guys think. Today I'm gonna be talking about uh, multitasking on the iPad Pro. 
Could be interesting, should be. Of course, we're gonna get to that Apple news and more. So it's gonna be a, a good episode, fun episode. And then hopefully what I'd like to see happen is, you know, each of these different segments can end up being its own playlist on the YouTube channel so that you guys can easily access the little tidbits and stuff that you like the best. In terms of Chris news, uh, I know that I said I wasn't turning into a shoe person um, several episodes ago. That's not really true. Um, I have been getting a couple new pairs of Nikes. Now I think I'm on my third pair and I think I'm gonna stop though. I'm not gonna turn into a collector with the stuff on the back. Um, but actually I just got one for fitness, one that I don't mind getting dirty, wearing around, uh, and then one that's just like my hiking, kind of like walking shoes. I need something comfy. I'm getting old, you know, my feet get more tired. And so I need something more comfy. So, you know, those are fun. The space hippies arrived today. <laughs> They're made out of trash, uh, which is kind of interesting. They felt uh, different in person than, than you could see on the website, but I, I like them. I also got some trail runners. Those are my, you know, walking and hiking shoes. Cause I don't mind if those get kind of crapped up. And then I got just my comfies all around everyday shoes, you know, and then I'm done. I think I also, I told you guys I had to send back that Apple watch band that I ordered because it was the wrong size. I got it for the 42 instead of the 44 millimeter. Uh, well, I got the replacement this week, actually just today. Like, I don't know, within the last half an hour or so got that installed. Oh man, I love it. It's the replacement to the leather loop, or I guess alternative. It's like a, a new take on it. I think they're still selling the leather loop. What's crazy about this one is it's just the two sides and they just magnet together and you don't have to fold it around or do anything. And some people are like, well, I worry about getting like pickpocketed. You know, someone just, it's easier now for them to take that off my wrist. I'm not worried about that. I got it in the new California poppy color or whatever that, you know, yellow, orange, yellow color is. And I got it to match the leather case that I got for my new iPhone 12 Pro Max, which by the way, <laughs> last week's lost episode really went into my pre-orders. Uh, so I guess I'll just tell you, I got two Pro Maxes, um, one for myself personally, one for the business. And I'm not gonna go rehash because I already talked about it last week, even though it's the last episode, um, all the ins and outs of that. But basically, I just got more storage on the one that I'm gonna use for video stuff. But the leather case and my uh, leather Apple Watch band, those are gonna match now, and that's gonna be awesome. On the channel, it was, uh, you know, it was a week. I, I put out an iPad video, and it <laughs> it was the iPad Air versus um, the iPad Pro, but now that I have it, because the first time I did it, it was more of like a conceptual thing on paper comparing, you know, uh, without actually having it. And it was good. It was like research. If you're researching which one you wanted to buy, I think it was very useful. Got almost a million views, like 800,000 views-ish. Um, but I wanted to do it when I had both advices, and I thought it was going to be a lot more popular than it was. But I think I ended up missing the mark a little bit. That happens sometimes as a YouTuber. And it was kind of disappointing for me. I had a lot of people complaining, like you're just comparing the sizes uh, rather than anything that's different. I didn't feel like that was true. I showed the speed of some of the apps launching faster on the iPad Air, if you missed it. That blew me away three times. Uh, the Air launched apps faster than on the, Pro, on the iPad Pro. And I did like a speaker test and stuff and a handwriting comparison. And, and a lot of it did focus on the size because that's one of the things this year that currently is setting the Pro line you know, apart from the airline is that you can get that bigger size. You can't do that on the air. So I did focus on it, maybe too much. I also did uh, an iPhone 12 mini versus uh, Pro Max video comparing all the ins and outs. 
And that one, I think, did better. That resonated with people more. They really liked it. They liked seeing uh, how big and how small uh, the extreme ends of the spectrum were. And that was fun to make. And it's always nice when something does good because all your hard work gets rewarded. And it's too bad when it doesn't, but then you learn and you move on. I'm sure that's how it is for you guys too. And, uh, you know, I switched. I wasn't using the A7S III as my main camera, like for the talking headshots. I was using that for some slow-mo product shots. And I switched that around. I started using it to film my face and people were like, whoa, the quality has just gone way up. <laughs> um, which is funny because, you know, all the A6600s are still sitting here shooting stuff too. Um, but when you get one nicer camera, I guess it makes everything look good. Rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. And yeah, I actually worked on a sponsored video too, um, which isn't released yet, which uh, I'm excited to show you guys. I don't do a lot of videos like that, but when the right one comes along, and I think it's actually gonna be useful you know, to show people, then I am happy to do it. Uh, but I keep those pretty rare on the channel. And so probably next week, I would guess you guys would see that. So yeah, that's kind of a, a recap of you know, some of what's going on in Chris world, you know, the move is pretty much done now. And now I'm just waiting for like furniture and stuff to show up because of the pandemic, you aren't getting your stuff for, there's just huge delays. I'm talking about months. We're not going to have a table in the kitchen to like January It's crazy. The one place I'm really settled into, I think is <laughs> the studio space. That's pretty much all set up and ready to go. And, and that's been working out really good. I really enjoy shooting in here. It's nice to have everything just ready to go. And I'm starting to learn how to, you know, treat the sound better to get rid of the echo and, and mess with the lighting. And, um, I think it's paying off. The content is turning out better. I think I told you guys a long time ago, once this was set up, I was going to be excited to, to produce more content. A lot of that is going to come in the form of this podcast. I want to turn it into, um, its own thing and not just you know live off the fat of daily tech the main channel um, but legitimately even if it's being shot in the same space which right now it is and maybe it won't be in the future i want it to legitimately be its own thing i'm, I'm just excited to see what the future holds of course i do plan on turning these into some clips um, but i think that's good it's good for everyone you can consume it however you want if you want the full thing and in audio form you can have that and if there's just some specific topics that interest you, you can also you know just go in and cherry pick those on youtube as well all right, let's get into the very first edition of Ouch, My Wallet. <laughs> and I'm gonna be talking about some of my recent purchases uh, or things I've been thinking about purchasing. Uh, and one of the things that I got here as I've just moved recently is a new 55 inch LG OLED TV, the current model year, so the 2020. Now, the reason that I went with the 55 inch just before we get into it is because this is getting mounted above a fireplace and we didn't want to cover up all this stone around the fireplace with the 75 inch TV, even though I measured it and I think it would have fit. Also, we didn't want it to just be the main focus in that particular room. So I'm proud of myself for not going too overboard. Number one, that, <laughs> that's important because uh, in the past, you know, I would have just pushed it to the max, got the biggest. And we do have a larger TV downstairs and I'll talk about that in a second. It's a Vizio. And I've also got another TV that I've loved in the past as well, which is a Samsung. So when I say that the picture quality is insanely great on this LG OLED TV, that's kind of my test pool, the Vizio and the Samsung, which is, you know, how many companies actually make TVs? That's a good sample there, right? I don't know what your test material is, but I've been testing out 
Um, things like The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, which the first episode of the second season, I was kind of like, mm, maybe they ruined it. The second one was a little bit better, I think. I really like the first season the best so far, but that's just really clear. And the other thing is just going up on YouTube and just searching for 4K HDR content, letting it rip, and wow. I'm not sure what's most impressive, honestly. The clarity, just how clear things are, or the color, how much the colors pop, and when you can turn off the individual pixels, turn those on or off, and you get the perfect black. Um, I don't know if that's most impressive, or even how thin the thing is. It's really, really thin. And that's that's also impressive. When you combine all of that stuff, it's just pretty mind-blowing that this is a TV that exists because it's so nice. I should back up and say, though, I did order the Samsung frame before this. It showed up at the house, and the wiring was all wrong. It's too hard to explain, but it would have had to stretch through the ceiling and like down to the pantry uh, in order to get hooked up, how the builder had things wired, and just it wasn't gonna work because of the way the Samsung Connect box is. But I wanted that TV because I wanted the art. That was what mattered most to me, not just how thin the TV is and stuff, and it was gonna be okay uh, if it wasn't as nice of a picture as an OLED in this particular room. But I ended up having to return that. Uh, didn't even turn it on because it just wasn't gonna work in the space. So it was just like, well, okay, I'm just gonna get a normal, great normal TV then. And that's when I went with the LG with the OLED. And actually, one show that I've also, this happens to be on Disney Plus too, I'm not trying to promote them, but I tested this out with Tiny World on Disney Plus. Wow, that may have been the most mind-blowing content that I've seen on this TV so far. I don't even know if it's in HDR or anything. I just know I looked at it and I thought, how is this real? The, the quality of this TV just blows me away. I'm not getting into like nerdy specs or anything in this little mini review here. I'm just saying, if you're on the fence about buying it and you're looking for the best picture that you can really get right now, then I would say don't hesitate. Uh, it was worth getting and picking up. I'm so glad that it's in the house now and maybe it worked out for the best to not get that Samsung frame. I did want the art, uh, the digital art and the ambient you know, display and all that, but at the end of the day, I'm very, very happy with this LG OLED. It hasn't given me any problems. If there's one problem, it might be the remote is a little wonky, but if you've had an LG before, you're kind of used to it because it's got like the pointer thing and you aim it, and that's actually kind of annoying. I'd almost turn that off. But I end up actually just mostly using it with the Apple TV anyways. I don't mess around with any of the built-in LG apps or preferences or anything like that, so. Now, I mentioned the Vizio and the Samsung that I already have. Uh, not the frame, just the Samsung I've had for a couple of years, which I've done some reviews on the main channel. Uh, and actually those were very popular. I think one of them has almost a million views. I think it's the KS8000, so it's not brand new. But the Vizio is a 65 inch, so it's a, it's a bigger screen by 10 inches diagonally. And I think it's the mid tier, it's not the P series. So I wouldn't expect it. It's not Vizio's best effort or technology. I wouldn't expect it to come anywhere close to the OLED. Even if it was the P-Series, it wouldn't come quite as close as being in the same league as the OLED. But I'll just say, what I've learned from the setup is that size is not everything when it comes to TVs. I would much rather have the 55 inch, if I had to choose um, LG with the OLED, than I would rather have the bigger sized LG or Vizio, excuse me. Now that I've had the LG and the OLED, it's just, I almost hate to watch 
on this only, it's only like a year old, the Vizio, I think, maybe a year and a half. It just looks so muddy and muddled and, and old now compared to the OLED. In a way, <laughs> the OLED, it's kind of been the TV that's ruined all other TVs. The Samsung KS8000, that has been a very good TV. I stuck that in the bedroom now. And it used to be the TV that was just out in the living room at the old place. And it was great. I never had any complaints about it. It's not OLED, but Samsung has really good technology. It was nothing to ever complain about. You know, ratings.com gave it an 8.2 score, which is plenty good for basically anyone out there, except for a cinephile maybe. Like the looks, it was thin enough for me and it's now like two or three years old. It's still great, I still love it. But even comparing the new LG to that, so I'm not, I haven't compared it to a recent Samsung, you know, like from 2020. Still, the LG is noticeably better. As good as that KS8000 is, that OLED screen is just unbeatable. It's so pretty. So yeah, I would say LG OLED, that's really the king of the TVs from my perspective right now. And I know there are some other manufacturers that are dabbling in some other interesting technologies, but for my money, if I was to make a recommendation to you, I would say check out the LG OLED. And if you're watching this on YouTube as a clip, I'll try to link it up in the description for you so you can price it out. Okay, there's one more thing in this section that we have to talk about before we get into the more Apple-related stuff, and that is my brand new Patagonia Nano Puff hoodie. I love this thing. It's a jacket, it's really lightweight, but it's also really warm, but not too warm. You know, you're not gonna overheat in it. It does a really good job of adjusting to whatever the temperature is. But make no mistake, it can handle very cold temperatures. I mean, the cold weather's setting in and I needed a new jacket and I'm actually wearing it right now. <laughs> I love it so much. I, I just am coming up with excuses to wear it. You know, it's, it was like 250 bucks, so it's not cheap. Um, but I think it's like worth its weight in alternative down, whatever it is stuffed with, it's not down because I didn't buy down. It's so lightweight. It can pack up into its own little pocket so you can bring it with you, but I'm never gonna do that. The hood is awesome because if you wanna like bike to work or something, it'll fit under your bike helmet. It's got a little drawstring at the bottom so you can cinch it up if you don't want wind blowing up underneath. I'm not sure that I've actually ever owned Patagonia stuff before, but as I was looking stuff over, there's all these brands that have similar products, you know, North Face, um, Burton, and a bunch of no-name brands as well. But I ended up going with Patagonia, I, th I think, <laughs> I'm not joking here, because I heard Andy Minio and or Words Played in one of their songs mention wearing a Patagon, Patagonia. And it got me thinking, I was like, uh, yeah, I'll check it out. And I went on and I found this, and I found out how light it was, but how warm it was. I was unsure, you know, because I feel like a lot of people are out there wearing the puffy thing. That look just felt, maybe it was it a little played out? I didn't know, but there's only so many styles you can go with. And if it's cold and you want something functional, this is like the techie thing of jackets. Oh yes, it's windproof, I forgot to mention that. It's water resistant, so it's not waterproof, but water resistant. If it's just drizzling on you or something, gonna be fine. They call it incredibly lightweight right here. And it, it's like wearing nothing. I took this on the coldest walk yesterday. And I was like, I don't know, I, I had doubts. Is this gonna keep me warm on the walk? And I was so comfortable, at least the upper part, you know? I had my regular just pants on, and <laughs> my legs were a little bit cold. But this has a 60 gram Primo Loft gold insulation. So that's what they're using instead of down. That's the alternative. 
Oh yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can just see kind of the product video here. And yeah, inner pocket, so convenient. Here's how it folds up uh, into its own pocket. If you're gonna have this kind of a look, this quilted puffy thing, I think this is as good as it gets. I have absolutely been raving about this. I haven't stopped talking about it to <laughs> my family and everybody around. In fact, I'm getting one for my wife uh, as well. It's just so awesome. So if you also are looking for a new jacket, then this Patagonia Nano Puff hoodie is absolutely Chris recommended. And they're in no way a sponsor, by the way. Okay, I wanna talk a little bit about some of my processes within the Apple ecosystem. And for this segment, I wanna talk a little bit about how I multitask on the iPad, specifically the iPad Pro, specifically the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Multitasking is important, and I feel like if you're gonna be productive, you have to know how to multitask well on an iPad Pro. And I feel like multitasking is something that hardcore Mac people or just anybody who uses a traditional computer looks at the iPad and if you don't understand how to multitask well on the iPad, then you're gonna think, well, that's not really something that I can use. That's not a tool for me. So what I'm gonna do is kind of describe how I put together a podcast episode, like what you're listening to or watching right now using the iPad. So as you know, the iPad lets you have two different apps open side by side and then you can have a slide over window that kind of hides off to the side and it can appear and then you can load up that slide over window with a few different apps. So that forms the core basic uh, multitasking functionality on the iPad, but how do you use it? Or actually, how do you make the most out of it? So what I do is um, for a podcast like this, this is our example, what I do is I research and so in one of the panes, usually in the smaller pane, I will have something like Instapaper or Reader, which is spelled R-E-E-D-E-R, -E -E which is an RSS reader. And I usually have that loaded up with all kinds of different subjects. If I'm covering Apple, then I've got all the Apple blogs and sources in an Apple category, and I can go through and see what's new, and I can search. And then over on the right, I'll actually have my uh, note in Apple Notes open for the podcast. And that's just where I kind of put an outline of what I plan to talk about. Floating around in my hovering window, <laughs> the slide over window, I also load up an instance of Safari. And what I do with that is if I need to look anything up, then I have Safari there to just do some quick Google searches, et cetera. Then I'll often also load up another instance of Apple Notes. Uh, because sometimes I have some processes that I follow, you know, like best practices, and I wanna reference those. And it's nice now that with iPadOS 14, you can have multiple instances of the same app. And then uh, in this example here, I actually have Instapaper here, and then Apple Music. Of course, I have to have Apple Music. And actually, the playlist that I end up listening to the most when I'm doing work is called Bedtime Beats. It's an Apple Music playlist, but it's so relaxing and so chill, and it doesn't take over my brain. You know, it just, it's really good background music. It doesn't get in the way. It's word free, but it's amazing. You'll, trust me, you'll love it. Go check it out, Bedtime Beats. I will say though, before we get any further, I really wish that Apple would just build into iPadOS the ability to have three separate app windows on the screen at once, if not four. I don't care if they're iPad or, or iPhone width, that would be fine with me but I would love to see three or four things on the screen at once without having to have one of those be a hovery, floaty, you know, slide over window, as nice as that is. So anybody at Apple, if you listen to my content at all, I would love to see that. I know a few apps support that within the app, right? 
but I want that to be a system-wide thing. Okay, but the real power with multitasking on the iPad, I think, comes from dragging and dropping, number one, and probably most importantly, and then copying and pasting using the newest gestures. Because honestly, if you're not dragging and dropping between the different apps, then you might as well just have a Mac, honestly. The ability to touch the screen, Macs still yet aren't touch screens, to touch and drag and interact with things with your finger, that's a big part of what makes the iPad different than the Mac right now. Okay, but the very simple act of just coming over here and highlighting some text and dragging and dropping that over into your email app or messages or your notes app like I've got right here, that's everything on the iPad. That's so much better than having to just copy and paste stuff. Um, so what I'll do, I often curate stuff. And if I need to make a collection of something, um, what I'll do is do a bunch of research, go into those articles and just basically clip out the paragraphs or sentences that I need really quickly and drag them over into a note and just have the beginnings of an outline ready to go for me. Alternatively, there are times when it just makes sense to copy and paste. Now, I love the Magic Keyboard. It's one of my favorite accessories in the Apple world. Uh, and it's definitely my favorite typing experience, like I keep saying, for the iPad and maybe for anything. But when I copy and paste on the iPad, I love using the new gestures. So you can kind of use a three-pingered, three <laughs> what am I doing? You can do a three-fingered pinch. You can see why I messed that up there. And it's almost like you're picking something up. And then you can come over and then paste it with the kind of the three-fingered plop motion. You would be surprised at all the different things that you can drag and drop. It's not just text. And it's not just pictures. Although that's obviously very... Uh, important and interesting. I love dragging pictures over and doing like a mood board or something if there's a project that I'm working on. But you can drag and drop URLs. You can drag a URL to a website over into Safari, up into the URL bar, and it will load. You can drag and drop addresses. You can drag and drop stuff out of maps. You need to go in and, and split screen your iPad and just play around with things that you can drag and drop because once you wrap your head around all that you can drag and drop, it just totally changes the way that you look at and then use your iPad. It, it's just a whole new workflow for you. And then honestly, even though you can come in and do command tab and you know go through your apps that way, I don't use that very much anymore. And I also don't use the gestures where you hold, you know, swipe up and see everything. I just don't do that because if I'm multitasking and if I've done it right, I pretty much have everything that I need on the screen at any given time or within reach. And here's the kicker. I actually, even though I have a 49 inch LG ultra wide sitting at my desk that my Mac's hooked up to, and even though I can get five windows up at one time very comfortably, whatever the configuration, when it comes to productivity stuff and, and this kind of work where I'm researching, when I'm writing, doing some scripting, then I reach for the iPad even when I'm at my desk with that great uh, LG screen because I just have ended up preferring using this and this multitasking workflow. Okay, let's get into some of the Apple news this week. The big news was Apple's event, and they talked about the M1 chip, and the M1 chip powering three new Macs. Well, with all this talk about the M1, the average person out there probably is like, I don't really know what that is, but I know it's important, but I don't understand you know, how it works or why it's important. So. Right now, what I wanna do is just kind of break down in plain English what that M1 chip actually is, how it works. Okay, let's just start at the very beginning, right? What is a chip? When you hear somebody saying, this has a great chip in it, what are they talking about? 
Well, the chip is your computer's central processing unit or CPU. You've probably heard that term bandied about. So whether it's your desktop computer or laptop or tablet or phone, that chip, the CPU is kind of like the brain of your device. Now the chip is actually made up of transistors and silicon, not silicone, right? You can make some people really mad in the comment section if you accidentally get those switched up. Silicone might be what your iPhone case is made out of, <laughs> but that's not what the chip is made out of. But it's made out of silicon, and that's why you might hear people referring to Apple's chips as Apple Silicon. And that's why people are always excited over the last couple of months when they were talking about these new Macs that were gonna have Apple Silicon inside for the first time. Now, the reason that this M1 in particular is so important for Apple and for Apple users is because Apple is in the process of transitioning away from using Intel chips. And so the M1 is the first Apple designed chip that was specifically designed for the Mac. Because of course, Apple's been designing their own chips for iPhones for years. Now think of the A12, the A13, the A14. Those probably sound familiar to you if you've been shopping for a new iPhone in the past couple of years. In fact, interestingly, the M1 chip is a five nanometer chip, which is very similar to the A14 Bionic that's powering the latest generation of iPhones. Now, one of the things that's made Apple special over the years and set it apart from other computer companies is that they control both the hardware and the software for their devices. Or as Steve Jobs would say, they control the whole widget. And so there's really tight integration on both sides of the coin. So look, the upshot of Apple making the M1, making its own silicon, its own chips, its own CPUs, you're learning the terminology, is that we're gonna see some massive performance gains for Mac users in particular. So the numbers that Apple's been putting out there is like three and a half times faster CPU or up to six times faster GPU or up to 15 times faster machine learning and dun 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 dun, and we're gonna talk about this in a second, up to two times better battery life. Now, obviously that's good stuff. That's why everyone's all excited about the M1, but how does it actually work? Let's dig into that a little bit. So the M1 has an eight core CPU, and that consists of four high performance cores and four high efficiency cores. Okay, but wait, 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 wait. What in the world is a core? You guys have heard this for years. Two core, dual core, or quad core, eight core, 12 core. What does that mean? Well, a core is a processing unit. So that core or that unit is gonna focus on one particular task. So the more cores that you have, the more tasks your computer can be working on efficiently at once. So basically more cores equals more efficiency. Now you heard me mention that there was two kinds of cores in the M1 chip. There's the four high performance cores, and those are gonna be great for really demanding tasks like you know, video editing or photo editing, for instance. And then the other four cores, those are high efficiency cores, and those are gonna be great for your light computing tasks. So just things like surfing around in Safari, but you know, stuff like just banging out some emails, for instance, that's what those cores are for. You know, there's more to it, obviously, you can really get into the weeds. This has something to do with the security of your Mac. Um, this makes it more secure. This has to do with image signal processing. The M1 chip also gives you faster USB 4 file transfer speeds. So what I'm basically saying is you're gonna want it. You're gonna want one of the new Macs that has the M1 chip. <laughs> 
So if you do wanna actually pick one up, uh, there's three new options, right? These are the debut M1 devices. A new MacBook Air, which is a nice, thin, light, more affordable Mac, and then a Mac Mini, which of course has no display, and then a 13-inch MacBook Pro. And something that you need to understand also is that we're in the middle of, this is the beginning of, I should say, a two-year transition process. So Apple started it with these three new Macs, sticking the M1 chip in here, and now we're gonna start seeing the move away from Intel and getting the Apple Silicon in all the other Macs. Should you buy one now or should you wait? That's up to you. A lot of people were disappointed that this was kind of an internal refresh, but what a refresh it was. This is like not just a tiny little spec bump here that we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, the designs basically remain the same on the outside, but do you buy a computer more for the looks, you know? Or do you buy it for what you can do with it? I would say it's a tool and you're gonna do amazing things with it. And so the internals are really what matters at the end of the day. Although, no, of course I don't wanna use an ugly computer, but thankfully these are Macs and ugly is not part of their Apple vocabulary. <laughs> the last thing I just wanna say as part of this segment is that of course the M1, since Apple's controlling the whole widget, right, is optimized specifically to work really well with macOS Big Sur, which is the latest version of Apple's Macintosh operating system. And actually, we're gonna talk about that in our next segment. So what I wanna do is give you guys five really straightforward, simple, awesome reasons why Apple's new M1 chip is a really big deal. First of all, Someone benchmarked the new M1 chip in a MacBook Air, and it outperformed in the single core department a MacBook Pro. Not just any MacBook Pro, the really expensive, fully loaded, maxed out MacBook Pro, the 16 inch. So just to put this in a different perspective, the MacBook Air with eight gigs of RAM outperformed not just every other iOS device running Apple Silicon, but it also outperformed every current Mac that's available on the market. Now, of course, just a reminder, we're talking about single core performance, not multi-core performance, but still, this is a really big deal. People got used to seeing just a little bump every year in performance internally with the Intel chips, basically. But with Apple Silicon, it looks like we're looking at like actually massive leaps in performance. Remember, Apple's been promising three and a half times better performance when it comes to the CPU and up to six times better performance when it comes to the GPU with this new M1 chip. So if that's what it's doing in the MacBook Air, can you imagine what it's gonna be like when they get this in like the iMac Pro or the 16 inch MacBook Pro? That's my dream, to test out Apple Silicon in the 16 inch MacBook Pro. The next big deal here has to do with battery life. Year after year, people are like, give me more battery life, whether it's their iPhone, their tablet, or their Mac. Pre-COVID, when you could actually consider yourself a business traveler and go all over the place, it was a big deal to have good all-day battery life on your machine. And for people like me who are video editors, I can drain a battery that's not plugged into the wall really, really, really quickly if I'm editing one of these uh, 4K multi-cam videos with 100 megabit per second footage. So what kind of battery life would you expect? Would you be happy with 10 to 12 hours of battery? Well, now Apple's promising up to 17 hours of web surfing on the 13 inch MacBook Pro or up to 20 hours of movie playback. And on the MacBook Air, you can still get 15 hours of web browsing and 18 hours of movie playback. That's pretty crazy. I think for the first time, you're looking at being able to use one of these portable Macs for multiple days and, and really actually get a lot of work done 
without having to worry about plugging it in overnight. And I heard somebody already complaining like, oh, Apple's biggest feature with the M1 is just a moot point because who isn't around power these days with the work from home thing going on? Give me a break. The pandemic's not gonna last forever. This is a big deal, extra battery life. And I'm there for it. I, I like this. It's dumb when people just try to suck all the fun out of the room just for views. The third reason why the M1 is gonna be such a big deal for Macs is that all of a sudden, Macs are gonna be able to run a lot more apps, more specifically, iPad apps. Now, I don't know when the last time was that you actually went into the Mac App Store, browsed around, and checked out what was there and available. Well, it's been pretty Spartan for a while. It's nothing like the App Store on your iPhone, for instance, or your iPad. One of the best things about the Apple ecosystem is oftentimes you can find an app that's available for your Apple Watch, for your iPhone, for your Mac, for your tablet. It's just available everywhere. And it's really annoying when there's a great app that you've discovered on your tablet that you can't get on your Mac or vice versa, or that only lives on your phone. So I love that Apple has architected things in a way to smoothly transition some of the best iPad apps, not just some of, all of the iPad apps over to the Mac. I mean, I've already started seeing notifications in some of my apps, like uh, Instapaper was one of them. That's like, hey, we have a Mac app now because it's our iPad app. <laughs> so this is really good news. If you have one of the new Macs with the M1 chip, you just got access to a lot more options when it comes to productivity, when it comes to entertainment, games, education, etc. Oh, dang, this isn't even on my list, but I'm seeing on the website here, you can fly through tasks with Final Cut Pro, like running a complex timeline up to six times faster. That's my app, that's my main thing on a Mac, Final Cut Pro. Six times faster rendering, that's insane. Sorry, I just had to cut in with that because that matters to me. All right, the next thing is that your Mac is now gonna instantly wake from sleep, just like your iPhone or your tablet, your iPad. In the past, even you know my 16-inch MacBook Pro from a year ago, it takes a little bit of time to wake back up. Over here with the M1 though, we're ending up with a situation where it's instant. People aren't used to that on the Mac. But that's convenient though. If you need to get straight to an answer for something and look something up on the internet, that's why you turn to your phone. You can just take it out of your pocket and get right to work, right? On the Mac though, in the past, you know, you've just had to move the mouse and wait for it to wake up and log in and it takes a while. But that's a thing of the past with the M1 chip. The last item that I'm gonna mention is the ability for Apple to create some fanless Macs now. The iPad people are out there like, what's a fan? You, you Mac people, you still use a fan? But I'm thinking about my 16-inch MacBook Pro again. That thing whirls up, and when it's like rendering a, a timeline out of Final Cut Pro or something, yeah, those fans kick in, and they can be loud. Now, granted, I usually have the Beats Solo Pros in or the noise-canceling AirPods Pros, but still, when those are out, I mean, you can hear it, and it's not like a big deal, but it's kind of annoying. It'd be much better if it was silent. So like the MacBook Air, that is going to be fanless now. If you look on Apple's website, you can see that the CPU performance can match peak PC performance using just 25% of the power. That's pretty ridiculous. And yet, not all of the M1-powered Macs are gonna be fanless. The MacBook Pro is still gonna have a fan. It's funny because they list it as a feature, but also that's gonna probably help it sustain uh, its core speeds, uh, the Pro with the fan and that cooling uh, over something like the MacBook Air. So if you're out there thinking, well, this sounds great, I'm looking at the benchmarks and stuff, and I'm gonna replace my really expensive 16-inch MacBook Pro with this new M1-powered MacBook Air, well, yeah, you're gonna get crazy performance out of it, 
but is the MacBook Pro with the M1 still gonna outperform it? Probably, and you know, the fan and that cooling system is gonna help it sustain those higher workloads, is my guess. So there you go. In a nutshell, there's five really great reasons why the M1 is such a big deal. I wanna clue you guys in to an app that I ran across this week that's, I think, gonna be a big, huge hit. Um, I'm just gonna predict that right now. It's called Craft, and it's a Docs and Notes app. There's obviously already a million Notes apps out there. You have Apple Notes, which just comes with all your Apple devices, and is good. It's really still my default. You've got Bear, you've got Notability, the list goes on and on and on. And then Craft comes in, and it's offering a fresh take on documents. Craft is a little bit different because it's not tag-based. Some people really like tag-based note systems, some people don't. The thing about Craft is that it was built, purpose-built, from scratch, from the ground up, for your digital devices. So it was made for your iPad, basically. Now Notion, which is a hit app, people love Notion. I like Notion, I use it for certain things. It's really more of like a personal wiki. That works the best, in my experience, on a Mac. And then all the other forms and versions, those have been adapted from the Mac version to also be mobile, but the mobile experience isn't necessarily the best when it comes to Notion. Well, Craft said, no, 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 no. We're gonna actually start with the iPad, start more mobile, and then expand from there. And I think that's an interesting starting spot that makes this app feel very different than anything else. What's really cool about Craft is that it lets you create structured documents and link up all your content really easily. So, uh, like the website says, you can group related thoughts together into subpages with a single tap. You can make them look amazing with cards. You can use bi-directional linking. Is this reminding you of any other apps that you've heard about recently? <laughs> so that you can connect your thoughts together across multiple documents. What's really cool is the way that it embeds stuff. And you can embed in all these different uh, thoughts that you've had in different pages into that main document there and keep everything looking not only organized, but looking good, looking nice. It's something you would actually care to look at. It's not just a list of text. Of course, there's collaboration built in because what good notes app these days can get away with not having that. I guess some people are more interested in like a minimalistic thing. This isn't really a minimalist note app. I'll just note that. All right, even Jackson Hayes, you guys know him and love him from YouTube and Twitter, is saying that on the website here, he's featured saying that he's thinking about ditching Bear. Bear's a popular app for craft. I should point out there's a free version, like a lot of apps out there, it's like freemium. And if you wanna upgrade, you can do so for 375 per month. That would be like the professional tier. If you wanna go and push things into the team realm and adopt this for your business, you can do that. But this is so new, it's been in beta for a long time. You know who else is liking it? Um, Chris Lolly. You know him from YouTube as the iPad fanatic, right? He even told me that he's been loving the beta of Craft. It's almost like a designer got a hold of Notion and then combined a few of their favorite features from other Notes apps and made something that just looks, you know, it was rethought from the ground up. What could the experience be like? And it's just delightful to use. So if you're a student and you do anything with PDFs, you're gonna like this. If you upgrade, you'll be able to upload high quality media. That's important, right? Because if you're saving a, a photo or even a video, you want it to look good. You don't want it to be a dumbed down version. And importantly, in a different segment on the podcast, we just talked about all the iPad apps that are coming to Mac with the M1 chip. Well, this works with all your different devices. That's important for me. I will not use a Notes app 
that only works on my iPhone or only works on the Mac or only works on my iPad. This works everywhere. And that's a requirement for me. So I'm glad to see that. Oh, and actually, as I'm reading this, I like how they're putting it here. They treat visual content as a first-class citizen. That's a great way to put it. I was trying to articulate that just a minute ago, but but they've actually said it better than me. All right, well, uh, I was gonna get to a few other things, some Apple tips uh, and, and whatnot, but I'm running out of time for this episode. So as I'm relearning how to do things with the visual side um, here of the uh, podcast, then uh, you know I'm sure things will improve from week to week. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Thanks for hanging out, uh, whether you listen to the full thing or whether you're catching this on YouTube uh, and the new clips channel that's specifically made for the after party. Um, thank you, thanks for hanging out. I'll link up everything that I've talked about down in the description. You know, one last thing that I'm just gonna mention real quick is every Thanksgiving, our family does the tradition of adopting a turkey. So that's something you're interested in. I'll link that up down below too. And I will look forward to hanging out with you guys again next Friday. Later. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we get a little come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we get a little come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. So 12 are giving you the heat The reviews from Chris you gotta see Daily tech got a fax that you need And it's a whole crew you gotta meet After party it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality you should take it from me Cause we care about the customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the mountains Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it yeah. Welcome to the other party, out of vibe Well you know we get a little come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine Talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, got that vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.